Okay, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another day to humbly come before you as your servants and your children. We thank you for this privilege and opportunity to learn your perfect word through the guidance of your spirit. And help us never forget, Father, this is a supernatural process. And that you're the only one that can make us grow and understand your truth, your ways. And we ask that you help us see the light this evening, whatever we need to see. Have our hearts and minds opened. And Father, we are most of all grateful that you sent your son down to earth 2,000 years ago the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, to truly become human, to become flesh, and dwell among us so that he could truly make the sacrifice as one of us in our place. We are forever grateful for that, Father. Thank you for the gift of eternal life through your Son. We ask that you bless us all this evening and bless your word and guide us by your spirit. It's in Christ's precious name we pray, and by the power of your spirit we pray. Amen. Okay, why are the apostles so encouraging? By grace they were prepared, part 39. So we have a little bit again of jumping back into the fray, back into our main study. Uh, the Spirit's given us some good balance statements the last couple lessons, particularly on finances and first fruits. So now we're transitioning back to our discussion on the apostles and on the faith they did have and on the faith that they lacked. And uh, you probably see by now that it's really like looking in a mirror, if you're honest, of your own walk, your own faith, your own struggles, your own uh, successes at times in the faith. One interesting thing is that all of our lessons lately have involved faith as a major topic. And, um, you know, again, we're going to see that tonight and how it all blends together. Even on finances and first fruits, faith and heart issues are huge, as we saw. So your own faith and your own conviction on what God wants you to do, for example, with blessings that he gives you, are ultimately between him and you and no one else. We talked about that on Sunday. It's your own faith, though. It's your own conviction. And that's what God judges us by, our own hearts, our own motivation. And that's why two people can, you know, be convicted of different things in the Word, and their heart can be right before God. And so take that to heart. Because it really is your own faith walk, as long as it's based on the Word, and you're, you know, asking, relying on the Spirit. We've also been told to guard our hearts, to check our motivations. We know we answer to the Lord, and He provides us with a certain faith to follow Him. He provides us with a certain faith, or like a certain type of faith, a unique faith to each one of us and a different measure of faith, as we've seen, if we're humble. As came out last Tuesday, 
I've been excited about the recent emphasis on faith and how the Spirit's bringing all these things together on this topic. And these principles are simple. You might say to yourself, you know, faith, it's simple. It's basic. It, it is. It's basic. Yet just as basic as it is, is how vital it is to what we're talking about, to our whole walk, to being spiritual at all. So today the Spirit's going to merge together some faith principles from this current series we're on on the Apostles and the special series we had two weeks ago, uh, Beware Where You Turn. So first of all, very simply on the board, walking by faith, it takes humility and faith to go forward in the commands of the Lord and to live the supernatural spiritual life He's designed for us. This thing is supernatural, folks. I know you've heard it, maybe you're familiar with it, but supernatural means we can't figure exactly out how it works. We'll never figure out exactly how it works. We'll never figure exactly how God is doing things in our soul. So you can't put a finger on it all the time. But with faith and humility, God uh, opens up the doors to us, opens up our eyes, uh, makes progress within us, grows us. So our, our key and our, our focus is walking by faith. And that's the only way we can live the supernatural spiritual life He's designed for us. And these things are all grace gifts from God, of course. May we never forget that. Now, we all lack faith at times, every single one of us. But we also know He'll give us the faith we need. For example, if he asks us to go through something, he'll give us the faith we need. He wouldn't ask us to go through it if he wasn't going to provide the faith we need. And maybe you don't have it before you go through it, but maybe he gives you increments of it during your walk, your process, your struggle. I don't know. Again, it's supernatural. But he will provide the faith we need. He's faithful. And he's hoping we ask him for more. Think of, again, God as your Father. Your Heavenly Father is hoping you ask for more. What Father doesn't? What good Father doesn't? As the Lord said, ask and you shall receive. So we're um, urged throughout Scripture to ask God, again, with the faith of a child. So we've been on faith for a while now in our working framework on the board, what the apostles lacked. And we saw our main passage in Matthew 16, 5 through 11. We left off last week noting the pattern the apostles revealed to us, namely that they had enough understanding and humility and faith, these things on the board, to be saved. They had enough of those things to be saved, but they lacked these things in their walk with Christ. And that should greatly encourage us. On the board, again, regarding the apostles' struggles. This is for our encouragement as we go forward with Christ one day at a time, just like they did. The Lord patiently taught them along the way, as he will do for those of us who follow him. You know, I tend to do this too, but we tend to think that the Lord's getting impatient with us or rushing us along, or, you know, 
<laughs> when we fail, when we lack faith, we think that we have to do something to push ourselves forward or he's not going to, almost like he's not going to be there. He's not happy. But like, look at the apostles. They took one day at a time and they had some horrible days at a time, right? They had some horrible days. I'm sure they were glad they could go to sleep at night and start over in the next morning. These were the apostles. These were the ones chosen with a special gift and a special calling. And they literally went one day at a time, good day, bad day. Faith, no faith. So again, it's to our great encouragement, hopefully. The Lord is so patient. He's like, all right, come on, come on, come on again. You know, he's so patient. He's, an, he's a father with never-ending patience. So on the board, regarding our struggles, how much faith we lack points to a proportionate lack of humility. How much faith we lack points to a proportionate lack of humility. That's like the net-net, you know, rubber meets the road. It's really what it comes down to. So when we're lacking faith and we're struggling with our faith, it's really our own fault. Like we're getting in the way. We're not humbling ourselves before the Lord to receive more faith that he wants to give us. The Lord might want to give us more faith, but we're often just not humble enough yet. So that takes training, both by the Word and the Spirit and by being humbled in life by His grace. Let me say that again. The Lord might want to give us more faith. We know He does in the Scriptures, but we're often just not humble enough yet. So it takes training. By the Word and the Spirit, yes, amen. By being humbled in life, can I get an amen? Being humbled, we all need to be humbled. And God has to do that thing as a faithful father. He has to use that thing to press us down, to make us realize we're not all that we think we are. And it's incremental. It's through our whole lives. There's nobody that's not arrogant. It's through our whole lives. So he has to humble us and train us in that way by grace. And guess what? Then you can receive more of the faith he wants to give you. So our struggles are our own fault, really. Uh, it's just due to a lack of humility. Go to Romans 12, verse 1. This verse has been coming up a lot lately. Uh, it even came up in our last couple lessons, even though it was already in our lessons from uh, the faith discussion. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. We saw the last couple lessons how this is a form of first fruits to the Lord. You, you yourself are the sacrifice. God says, I want you to give yourself to me. What a picture of first fruits of giving. And in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. God has allotted to each of us a measure of faith, probably proportionate to your humility. So we know the Lord provides, and we know faith is the only way we can please Him as well. Go to Hebrews 11, verse 6. So God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Nobody's complete or perfect in this life. Nobody has all faith in this life other than the Lord. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, there's faith, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So the main point from a couple weeks ago again, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible means totally unable. It means without faith, you can't even live spiritually. If you don't receive saving faith for salvation, if you don't receive that gift from God, you're still dead spiritually, right? You literally cannot live spiritually at all without faith, without the provision of faith. And Pastor gave us a triplet of uh, verses. We're going to look at this one more time. We talked about it last Tuesday. What do you, quote-unquote, see in these verses? 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Jesus said to him in John 20, 29, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. And in Hebrews 11, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Do you remember the correlation we pulled out last week? That all three scriptures have faith stated as the opposite of seeing. Opposites. So on the board, regarding walking with God, walking by faith means you don't need to see where you're going. In fact, they're, they're mutually exclusive. If you see where you're going, it doesn't require any faith. So walking by faith means you don't need to see where you're going. You trust the Lord. They are indeed opposites. In fact, faith allows us to do the impossible. What do we just read in Hebrews 11.6? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith allows us to do the impossible, while sight only looks at what's possible. Just think about it. Sight only looks at what's possible at what you can rationally see as a possibility. Okay? But you, you, if you judge by sight, by sight you're never going to say that mountain is able to move if you tell it to move. That's ridiculous by sight. That's ridiculous by man's system of thinking, man's measurement. But faith, not by sight, allows us to do the impossible according to what Jesus said. Matthew 19, 26. 
You don't have to go there, but that's where Jesus made the blanket statement to the apostles. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Part of the reason is that man only looks at what he can see. He doesn't normally walk by faith in the unseen, opening the doors for God to do all things in his life, making all things possible, in other words. So with man, this is impossible. What's that? Walking by sight. But with God, all things are possible. If you walk by faith, you have God, and all things are possible. So it really changes everything. Not just saving faith, but in our daily walk by faith. Whether we please God or not depends upon whether we accept his provision of faith or not. Look at Hebrews 10.38. You're still in Hebrews? Hebrews 10.38. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We see very clearly that without faith, we cannot please God in any way. This point on the board also came out to us a couple weeks ago. Faith becomes the practical tie that binds us to the holy God of the universe. It's the only thing that can practically tie us to God. And it's 100% a grace gift from him to his children alone. So you see right there how essential faith is. It's totally 100% impossible for an unregenerate person to please God, but it's totally 100% possible for a saved person to please God, for someone who receives faith in humility. So a big point that came out was a person who lacks faith lacks ability. A person who lacks faith lacks ability, period. It's just the reality of the situation. There's a simple truth that permeates the entire spiritual life. As we also noted, only faith enables love. Only faith enables love. If you reject God's gifts and His grace, then you will lack the ability to love Him back the way He wants us to love Him. You will also lack the ability to love others the way Jesus loves you. These are impossibilities with man. Only possible with God. Only faith enables love. So in other words, we can't do any of this without actually trusting in Him and His ways, a.k.a. faith. One great example is the command to love your enemies. How does a man love his enemies in sincerity of heart. In other words, without faking it. How can a man love his enemies, truly love his enemies in sincerity of heart, unless he has the power of God through faith? It only comes through faith. Faith releases, you know, the power of God in our lives. How does a man love his enemies? It has to be totally supernatural. 
It has to be totally a gift from God, an ability that God gives you. So this means walking by faith, receiving the faith to do these supernatural things, therefore pleasing your God and Father. And faith enables love in all areas of our lives. I mean, see, we're not talking about earthly love, human love, the love that, you know, we hear about in the media or on TV or in the movies. Um, We're talking about God's love. We're talking about real love, Uh, love that loves no matter what, that kind of love. And unless you walk by faith, you can't have it. You won't see it. Turn to 1 Timothy 5.8. Here's an interesting example of how faith enables love. Or faith enables you to live in love. 1 Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So here we see not loving and caring for your family is due to a lack of faith or denying the faith. See, the core issue is faith or a lack thereof. It's not that It's not that someone can't provide for his own household, but that he's unwilling because he doesn't have the love of God. You can't have the love of God without faith. So again, faith enables love in all areas of our lives. Some more encouragement we can take from the Apostles' example on the board. Lord, help. Lord, help. Uh, I was talking to Paula the other day, and she said that's one of the prayers that her husband Leo taught her. In other words, when everything's wrong, you don't even know what to say to God. Just say help. Just yell help. God knows anyway. And he's looking for what? The heart, right? So that's what the apostles did. They cried for help when they didn't have enough faith. The apostles were humble enough to realize they needed more faith if they were going to live in the supernatural commands of our Lord. Uh, Go to Luke 17, verse 1. Faith of a child, right? And that's a compliment. (laughs) You see in the scriptures, the Pharisees going to God with all these lengthy, lengthy prayers, right? Wordy prayers and almost trying to impress God with the language. And then you see the humble man just saying help. You know, you see the humble man with the faith of a child, knowing he's totally unworthy. Just saying, Lord, forgive me, the sinner. Or Lord, help. Luke 17, 1. He said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea, he were thrown into the sea, than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, 
Some of us can't forgive someone seven times in a lifetime. Seriously, that's actually hard. We're talking about the same person sinning against you in the same way. Really. <laughs> if he sins against you seven times in a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, help, <laughs> increase our faith. That's impossible. How can I possibly do that? I'd love to obey you, Lord. I can't do that. Increase our faith. And the Lord basically says, you know, you're correct. <laughs> That's the right answer, because look what he says next. The Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you'd say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Faith opens up that door to the impossible. And again, a person who lacks faith lacks ability. And vice versa. So back to our previous point on the board, only faith enables love. If you reject his gifts, his grace, then you will lack the ability to love him back the way he wants us to love him. You will also lack the ability to love others the way Jesus loves you. Because it's impossible to love others the way Jesus loves you. Unless God gives you the power, which is only opened up through the channel of faith. For example, forgiving others. Forgiveness over and over, even, is a show of love that can only come from God. And he can give us the faith to accomplish such miraculous things, uh, such as forgiveness. True forgiveness, with sincerity of heart. You know, not the one that you fake, not the one that you force. Supernatural, miraculous. A work of God. But that faith is only going to be given to the humble, as we've learned over and over. On the board, walking in humility. The person who possesses true faith and walks by it is walking humbly before the Lord, attributing any abilities as being received from him, not from self, lest they might boast wrongly. Go again to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Again, the person who possesses true faith and walks by it is walking humbly before the Lord, attributing any abilities as being received from him, not from self, lest they might boast wrongly. I mean, think about forgiveness. If you truly are able to forgive someone in your heart, that's a work of God, and you boast in God. I, I received that from God. I could never have done that in my own power. So again, any abilities we have is from faith. Receiving faith. It's all a gift from God. So 2 Corinthians 10, 12. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure, to reach even as far as you. Paul was simply saying that whatever good he would do in Corinth, 
was a function of the measure of faith he'd been given by God. He knew it wasn't of, an, of his own. In verse 14, For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. So as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he who commends he whom the Lord commends. He who boasts is to boast in the Lord. Plainly stated, boasting in the Lord is a show of faith. That's awesome. Be confident in the Lord, right? Like Paul was. Uh, don't be confident in self or boast in self. That's just the opposite. So this also came up in our lessons on the apostles on the board regarding faith and humility. These two concepts are eternally intertwined in the person of Jesus Christ, our prototype. It's implied that a person who walks by faith is walking humbly, that each measure of faith exists with a measure of humility. I think as Pastor said a couple weeks ago, these things are like woven together into one fabric, faith and humility. These things are hand in hand. Again, it's implied that a person who walks by faith is walking humbly, that each measure of faith exists with a measure of humility. Remember our point from earlier in the lesson regarding our struggles? How much faith we lack points to a proportionate lack of humility. They're directly related. So when these things on the board, faith and humility, when they exist in the life of a believer, they witness God's work in them as fruit, some form of fruit, good fruit. Faith and humility have to produce some form of good fruit that brings glory to God. And I don't know about you, but I don't think we can get enough of this topic. I love hearing this topic over and over and how the Spirit's trying to show us how closely woven together and maybe even weaving them together, together differently in our souls, faith and humility, humility and faith. I can't get enough of this because this is so vital to spiritual life, to life itself. So just as a reminder, review is good. Even if you've heard this, uh, the Spirit is coming at it in all different directions, and He's implanting his wisdom into our souls if we're humble and receiving these things he's implanting his, his wisdom into our souls supernaturally it's not about how much we can remember of the lesson we just learned it's not the spirit's weaving things together supernaturally in you he can use <laughs> he can use anybody he can use somebody with a low IQ, he can use somebody with uh, little ability, um, little, little ability to speak. Um, as far as human attributes go, 
and skills and all that. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, weaves his wisdom into a humble soul. So it doesn't matter about how many points you remember from tonight when you go home. It doesn't matter. He did something in you tonight. He worked on you in some way that you don't even know. He massaged your soul maybe in some way. You don't even know. So, so he's blending this all together, and that's where the trust comes in, and we remember it's supernatural. Uh, so this is all good, good stuff. As the Spirit gave us a couple weeks ago, if faith exists in the absence of humility, then it's worldly faith. In other words, faith can't exist. True faith can't exist in the absence of humility. Otherwise, it's, it's fake. It's some form of, of worldly faith. And the same with humility. If humili- humility exists in the absence of faith, it's a false humility. They really can't exist separate from each other. But if both exist in you, then you have good fruit. And you have blessings like peace, contentment, love, understanding the things of God. That's the fruit of God. Faith opens up all the channels. Faith lets you literally receive the power of God and the ability to do impossible things like forgive someone or love your enemy. So the issue with life after salvation, this came up last Tuesday also, while we have access to such blessings, we often fail to exercise our privileges. I mean, when you're saved, when, you, when you're born again, God changes you in every way. He makes you a new creature. And he gives you full access to his plan and his power and his grace. Full access. Now, again, we, of course, get in the way. All right? We're not ready for it yet, so to speak. Uh, we're not humble enough yet to receive it all. But they're all right there for the taking, all these privileges, all these blessings. You remember our Twinkies example last week, right? You, you have a great meal before you, like filet mignon or, you know, baked stuffed shrimp or whatever. Great, great food coming out of the oven. And you choose Twinkies instead. And you ruin your appetite. Hmm, Twinkies or filet mignon? Which one? Some of you are actually thinking about it right now, which is a little scary. <laughs> I won't name any names either, and I won't look in any direction. But um, that's the flesh. The flesh is like, give me sugar now, give me sugar now, give me sugar now. Right? That's the flesh. Spiritually speaking, that's the flesh. Give me now, satisfy me now. Give me something that's even a fake food. What's a Twinkie, right? It's not even real food. It's some fake uh, made-up material. I don't know. But there's definitely stuff in there that's not good for you. Anyway. um, (laughs) But why go for that when you know it's going, you know it's negative effects? You know it's not God's highest and best for you. So it's the flesh that wants you to um, settle for its own ways on the board uh, regarding faith and humility. We run to the flesh for solutions that give us a stomach ache or many other kind of aches. And we miss out on the most amazing meal 
that God prepared for us with love. That's like the spiritual struggle that goes on for the believer. That's our, our life as a believer. Every day we have that choice right there on the board. Which meal are we going to consume um, and be rewarded by or, be, or suffer by? All right? Almost like reaping what you sow, right? Depends what you want to take in. But the Bible says you've already been granted all these wonderful things that will set you free, that will give you peace, that will give you true blessing, but we don't believe it. We're arrogant, so we lack the faith. If we were humble, we'd be given more faith, but we're arrogant, so we lack the faith. We don't believe it, that God's ways will make us happy, give us peace, true contentment. So we strive and struggle for years and years before we finally start to enjoy God's meals, start to receive them by faith and push the Twinkies aside. It's a day-by-day journey, and God knows. Thank God, God knows, and he's super patient with us. But what's the issue? The issue is faith. The issue is faith. The missing link, so to speak, is faith. Because God wants to give us everything. In fact, he already has, positionally. But we reject it. We refuse it on a daily basis. So that's why this topic is so vital. You know, faith changes everything. Uh, can change your whole perspective in a day, in a lesson. <clears throat> if you're humble, if you receive it. The following point also came up um, last Tuesday. Faith increases by grace. Faith increases by grace. Faith builds upon faith. And even when we prove ourselves faithless at times, God finds a way to mercifully encourage us back into his plan by means of his own faith. Go to 2 Timothy 2, verse 10. Again, faith builds upon faith. And even when we prove ourselves faithless at times, God finds a way to mercifully encourage us back into his plan by means of his own faith. 2 Timothy 2.10 For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Again, this point on the board. God provides. The beauty of God's plan for we believers is that while we never lose saving faith once we receive it, he continues to add to our faith, which implies we're lacking, obviously. But he continues to add to our faith by grace. And the apostles were no different. 
to our great encouragement. Hence, what the apostles lacked in Matthew 16, 8. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? What was the issue? What was getting in the way to their understanding of what Christ was saying to them? Lack of faith, i.e., lack of humility. They had enough to be saved, but they lacked faith to experience all the things of God, as we all do. So, one, one last group of principles on faith that we saw in our series, Beware Where You Turn, on the board, Walking by Faith. Wherever the Spirit goes or leads, we go, without turning as we go. You remember that phrase from Ezekiel? And the angelic vision he had of the angelic creatures, and they followed the Spirit wherever he went, and it said, without turning as we go. They didn't turn at all in one direction or the other, not even their heads, their, their, um, their view, where they looked. Where the Spirit goes or leads, we go, without turning as we go. That's walking by faith. We also saw this question to make us think a little bit regarding walking by faith. Are we listening for the Spirit's direction for our day? and obeying Him without turning to our own ideas? Or are we so locked into our own agenda for the day that we ignore the Spirit? Or we hear Him, but we push Him aside? Because we don't want to interrupt our little schedule or our little plans for the day. You know, you might have a business or whatever it is you do for a living, um, if you're still working right now. And you have your eyes on certain... Um, gain. You have an objective for the day. You hope to make some money for the day, right? And God might tell you to go tend to somebody. God might convict you to go tend to somebody or go spend some time with somebody, which means a sacrifice on your part, which means maybe pushing off the business for that day that you might gain. And if the Spirit is the one convicting you, He wants you to follow what he wants you to do that day, right? So are we willing to listen to him? Or are we so, you know, bent on, I'm getting this done today, no matter what? See, that's probably some, a term we should probably never use, no matter what. What if God tells you to do something different today? Are you open to the Spirit's direction? Just something to think about. And then when he directs you, Obey him without turning to your own ideas. Like the angelic creatures who refuse to turn. If you know it's from the Spirit, if you know you're convicted by the Spirit, rejoice, first of all, because God's speaking with you. And second of all, be happy. Go for it. Follow him without turning. And be flexible. On the board... Walking by faith, is your heart open to the Spirit's leading each day? And if so, do you obey when He directs you without turning to the right or the left? It's a hard issue, a lot of it, right? We talked about how you, 
you don't actually turn in that direction physically or with your eyes unless your heart decides to go there first, unless your heart turns towards that thing that may even be ungodly. Starts in the heart and then you, your feet follow. So the Spirit's saying, be, be open. If you're really going to walk by faith and not by sight, be open to where I tell you to walk. And again, remember the apostles asked for help, right? On the board. When's the last time you asked God for guidance? When's the last time you said, Lord, increase our faith? Increase my faith or help? When's the last time you asked ask God for guidance? Some people say, I don't hear God speaking to me. And they never actually ask him. What do you want me to do with today? Do you have a divine appointment for me today? Will you give me one with somebody today? I don't know how, when, where. Don't let me plan it. You plan it. Do you ask him for guidance? Do you ask him for, for, to be used for his purposes? And on the board, we ended that uh, series with this verse, which really is a great summary in 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Walk by faith in this way. So it's time to go on in our series regarding what the apostles lacked. We'll get a little bit of this in this evening, and then Pastor will probably continue with this on Thursday. Uh, commitment. The apostles lacked commitment. Luke 5.11 and Luke 22.31 and forward. As we've noted in our previous three topics, understanding, humility, and faith, commitment is something the apostles obviously had enough of when they were saved, but they certainly lacked perfect commitment until the day they died, just like all of us. It's a learning process. It's being trained, etc. But they had enough to be saved. Go to Luke 5.11. Luke 5.11. Some people forget you know, how the Lord called these fishermen out. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Remember, Jesus would say, follow me. Follow me. Okay, well, if I really do believe him, I'll follow him. When they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So Peter, John, and James, who were fishermen, were committed to the Lord very early on as believers in him. So it's not like the apostles lacked all commitment. This what they made a commitment. They literally dropped everything and followed him, right? Because the Lord asked them to. And in fact, commitment was a fruit of their saving faith. Commitment was a fruit. It was a sign of their, their true faith, a sign that they truly believed in him as Lord and Savior. Do you remember Zacchaeus? We studied, spent some time on Zacchaeus. And 
when he believed what he what he offered to do to the Lord for the Lord. I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give away half my things and I'll pay back my those I've wronged fourfold. Right there was a, there was a, a fruit there, a commitment, if you will, from saving faith. And then we also uh, talked about the Roman jailer a while ago, who when he decided to believe, there were certain things he did. So anyway, the apostles here followed Christ. They dropped their fishing business. They followed him. It was a beautiful fruit of their faith. And look at Luke 5.10, the verse right before it. Even though the Lord told them to drop their fishing business, he said, do not fear. From now on, you'll be catching men. From now on, you'll be catching men. So our encouragement here is that as believers, we may relate to them in our salvation by seeing their example. Uh, but also, like we had enough commitment to follow Jesus. You, you did at some point. You're here right now. This is evidence of your commitment just being here. But we had enough commitment at the point of salvation to turn to him. But at the same time, just like the apostles, we too lack commitment. Just like the apostles, we lack commitment inversely proportionate to our faith and maturity throughout our lives. There's no way around this. We're never going to be totally, perfectly committed in this flesh. But we can grow. And we see how patient the Lord was with the apostles. He's just as patient with us. So we see this lack of commitment in, in uh, Peter's famous denial of Christ. Turn to Luke twenty-two thirty-one. as we close. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. So nobody's perfect. And the apostles give us that, that hope that God is patient and God will get his work done in us in his timing. And he knows exactly how to nudge us, how to uh, humble us, and he'll get it done. But we're going to have failures along the way. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he, Peter, said to the Lord, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. Ouch. What a prophecy. And of course it happened. Talk about a failed commitment. Talk about having a time of failure. I was going to say being a failure, but that's too absolute. Talk about having a time of failed commitment. Some of you get really down on yourselves for your failures, and you don't let them go, and you live in guilt. Have you ever denied the Lord three times? 
So use Peter as our example, one example of great hope that God's never done with you until he takes you out, until he takes you home. He's never finished with you until that day. So Peter's our great encouragement here. As horrible as this must have been for Peter to go through, how did the Lord use Peter after this? Just think about that. Maybe one of the worst failed commitments you could possibly do is what Peter did, denying the Lord three times. And the Lord used Peter to be the leader and to change the world for his namesake. Can he do that kind of thing with us, whatever his plan is for us? Even when we fail that badly and miserably, the answer is yes. Wholeheartedly, thank God, yes. Just look at Peter. So the Lord still had great plans for Peter as he does for you. It doesn't matter where you've come from. In fact, the greater the failures that you recall, the greater the forgiveness. And the greater the forgiveness, the greater gratitude. And the greater gratitude, the more you can be used by God because you're humble. And God has great plans for every single person listening to my voice. He has great plans for every single believer through faith and humility. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word, your grace. We thank you so much for all your grace gifts like faith and humility. Uh, we just thank you for providing it all and supernaturally working it out within us. All because you sought us out. You drew us to you. You honestly did it all, and we don't know how. You changed our hearts, you changed our minds, but we're grateful. We're grateful for your supernatural grace at work in us. And Father, we ask that you help us bring these truths out we've been learning to a lost and dying world that need to understand these things that are so lost. We ask that you help, uh, help or we ask that you use us to help them in some way. By grace, we're asking you to guide and direct our days, to help us be open to your spirit, and to follow him without turning right or left when convicted. We ask these things in Christ's precious name, and it's by the power of your spirit we pray. Amen.